Take your Bible this morning and turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I always have good intentions and I always get sidetracked. Because when I get to looking at these things and they speak so to my heart, I can't help but share with you what the Lord, by His grace and by His mercy, saw fit to bring into my own life as a sinner saved by His grace. As I sought to show you in the last message, and I I cling to this by what faith my God has given me. As I showed you in the last message, it's, it's absolutely imperative. You hear me? It is absolutely imperative that the redeemed, regenerated, converted child of God have an assurance of the hope that's in them. You hear me? It's imperative. You don't have that, you're like a boat without a rudder. <laughs> Your life is in turmoil Trouble, difficulty, and pain. Paul told the saints at Rome, listen to this, this is Paul speaking, and you put yourself in the place of reading this letter, because this letter's to us. Now the God of hope, now what kind of God are we dealing with? The God of hope, what's that, a wish? No, that's a confident expectation that he's going to give you exactly what he promised. Now the God of hope fill you, fill you with all joy, and all peace in believing. That you may abound. You hear this? That you may abound. And that word, we'll see that when we get on down in these words this morning. That you may abound. That word abound means to be overflowed, to be overrun. And take it back, that's in my Sunday Bible lesson for next week. <laughs> yeah, It's the same word where sin abounded. Grace did much more abound. It overran. Sin, let sin, sin go out like a, like a river, a raging river driven by a storm, and it dumps into the ocean, and the ocean swallows it all. <laughs> That's what our Lord's mercy and His hope and His grace is like to you and me. That you may abound in hope, and here's the only way you can do it, through the power of the Holy Ghost, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul stated it like this in our text that we looked at last week. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. We faint not. Paul's ministry, as well as the ministry of all God's elect, is the same ministry the same message that has not changed. Paul called it a ministry of reconciliation. He says, if we have received this ministry, what ministry have you and I received? And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us. What he said, I've been given this ministry, hath given to us, what? The ministry of reconciliation. That God was in Christ reconciling the world in himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed to us sinners. We'll get there in several weeks. <laughs> we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be from God, not from you or me. 
Now, many try to say that these words that Paul hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Paul was talking about his responsibility as an apostle. Or they say, well, no, actually, this ministry of reconciliation doesn't belong to all of us. Who does it belong to? It belongs to God's preachers, his evangelists, his teachers, those that he puts in his world, giving them a responsibility in every generation to preach the gospel. But I'm telling you, the scriptures make it clear who the us are hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Let me read you a passage. Listen to this. Who's this for? Who's this applied to? Well, Paul said this. See if you can find yourself here. And hath given some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastor teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the maturing of the saints. Now he's given apostles, prophets, pastor teachers, evangelists. What's their job? For the maturing of the saints. Listen, he's given to us this ministry for the work of the ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, Priest, pastor, teacher, they're given to mature the saints for what? The work of the ministry. All of us. Not just me. Every single one of us. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. That's all God's elect in every generation come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. That's what that's our role. That's why we're here. Under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we, all of us, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love. That's all of us. All of us without exception. Those called as God's ambassadors of this ministry of reconciliation We must all, by God's grace, seek to be like Paul, growing in grace and knowledge of the truth to the point that we faint not, that we faint not. And with the same God-given faith, Paul was given to declare this, for the which cause I suffer the loss of all things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am, listen to this, I am persuaded, convinced that he's able to keep that which I've committed against that day. Now let me make this point up front to begin with. If we are not fully persuaded by God of the reality that we possess justification, that we possess eternal life, oh, we are not equipped to faint not. Just not. And the result of not being equipped to faint not, to be weary, to be worn out, is that we can't be ready to give an answer to every man that asks us the reason of the hope that's in us. That's our responsibility. All of us. Think how many people in your lifetime God by His providence brings across our paths 
And he's already said, and we'll deal with it later when we get on over a little further, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he said, to everybody we preach this gospel to, we're a, we're a savor of life unto life, or we're a savor of death unto death. Who's worthy of this? Now, who's, who's able to endure that? Every time we preach, one of two things is happening. Either God's planting a seed that he'll at some point in time bring to fruition, or it's to their condemnation. Same gospel that calls the elect condemns the non-elect to eternal condemnation. And notice his next words. Now he says, we faint not. We've received this ministry. We don't faint. But notice he goes on. Verse 2. But we have renounced. We have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Not walking in craftiness. nor handling the word of God deceitfully but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now think about that statement. But we, the same one that's received the ministry. Now keep that in mind. We've received this ministry, we don't fight, but we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. If he declares, now think about this, think with me now, if Paul declares by his words, we've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, not handling the word deceitfully. Isn't that an admission? And isn't that a confession that before he met the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to, road to Damascus, just like these false preachers that he's dealing with and warning these Corinthian believers about, he was guilty of the exact same thing. You and me too. How many doors I knocked on over in Shreveport, Louisiana with Dennis DeLoach. And how many times I went around the Dubach area when I was up at Heiko and every Thursday night I was out there going inside witnessing. It was hidden things of dishonesty. It was craftiness. It was not, it was handling the word of God deceitfully. Why? I wanted, we don't have one up here. There's a, you see the spot on the wall. We need to get this wall painted is what we need to do with. There used to be a tote board up here because it was all about on Sunday morning. You know what I wanted to see? I never wanted to see the numbers go down. I waited for Bart to come out every Sunday and put that tote board up. I never wanted it to see go down. I wanted to see it increase. I wanted numbers to go up. I wanted the finances to go up. I wanted the people that ran there to fill out their little Sunday school envelopes to check everything. Why? Because it was about me, about my performance. Because to me, that was a reflection of what I was doing. I wasn't doing my job right. I wasn't getting the results that I wanted. And I thought they'd fire me because I didn't do, do my job right. <laughs> but it was a job. It wasn't a calling. It was an absolute job. And that being the case, the Holy Spirit, by the Apostle Paul's word, shows us the true manner and method of those who faint not. Now, we'll show you this this morning. First of all, now notice what Paul did. Again, it's a confession, admission, what I was before the Lord met me on the road to Damascus. I don't do this anymore. First of all, Paul renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. We have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Let me give you a literal translation of that phrase 
the hidden things of dishonesty. Hidden things of shame and concealment. Hidden things of shame and concealment. You know who that's directed at? Those false prophets. Paul could speak of them as false prophets because he himself formerly was what? A false prophet. Here's what, listen, what it, this is what he says over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 to these people that he says that they, they are still walking in the hidden things of dishonesty. But I fear, lest by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For he that cometh preaches another Jesus. What does he do? Preaches another Jesus. Think about that. How many another Jesuses are being preached around us today? Whom we have not preached. It's a specific Christ. And he didn't even say Christ. He said preaches another Jesus, another Jehovah, our salvation. Or if you receive another spirit, which you have not received, or, listen to this, or another gospel. People say, y'all make too big a deal out of this thing about the gospel. It's so important. Paul says some of these guys are preaching another one and calling it a gospel. And the word gospel means what? Good news. No good news in any of it. Which you have not received, you might well bear, bear, you might well bear with him. Verses 13 through 15 of that same chapter in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says this, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostle of Christ, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers, Satan's ministers, also be transformed. What are they transformed as? Ministers of righteousness. whose end shall be according to their works. Now, I read a bunch of different commentaries in preparing for this message this week. Several commentators that I read seem to think that this hidden things of dishonesty refers to the law, which in a way I can see that because the Apostle Paul had formerly thought and taught salvation came how? By obedience to the law. And other commentators I wrote seem to be of the, think that the expression means the, show, the vain show of these false teachers by which they tried to elevate themselves before the Corinthians. And I know that that could possibly be true as well. And I don't question. I mean, I, both commentators that I read on that, I highly respect them. I'm not going to go to war with them over something like that. But I think, and I, I, I think I'm, I might be, I'm not going to say I'm absolutely correct, but I read it and I think about it and thought about it a long time. I think the expression is referring to all the disguises these false teachers and apostles used to adulterate the pure beauty and simplicity of the gospel of salvation through and by Christ's righteousness imputed alone. It just changes a few words. I've heard false preachers use the word imputation, but they don't mean the same thing. They don't. 
I like what John Calvin wrote in his commentary of this phrase, this hidden things of dishonesty. He says, For as a chaste and virtuous woman, satisfied with the gracefulness of her natural beauty, do not start resort, do not resort to artificial adornings, while the harlot never thinks themselves sufficiently adorned unless they have corrupted nature. So Paul glories in having set forth the pure gospel while others set forth that which is disguised and covered over with unseemly additions. Ever seen a woman have on too much makeup? It's a frightening thing. In our day, have you ever seen a woman that at one time was beautiful but somebody convinced her, oh, you got squiggly eyes at the corner. Your eyes got them wrinkled and they come out and they got that thing where they're... Everything's pulled back. You're trying to fight, fight back age and time. <laughs> grow old gracefully. We're intended to grow old. All of us are. But he says, Paul preaches what? The pure gospel. Don't, don't, no additions. No changes. And Paul dogmatically declares of himself and all God's redeemed, but we have renounced. You hear this? We have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. That Greek word translated have renounced, it means to forbid or gave up. And I tell you, it's the only time it's used in the Scriptures. Only one time. And that's exactly what Paul and all God's elect do. They forbid and they give up. What do we give up? But what things were gained to me. Those I count lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dumb, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is by the works of the law, but that righteousness which is by the faith of, by, of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. We just preached on this several weeks ago, but after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost which he hath shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's the pure, simple gospel. And he says we've renounced those hidden things. We don't put people on the straight and narrow. We point them where? To the only way. Here's the second thing. Notice what he says next. He says, we've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Here's the second thing he's not doing. Not walking in craftiness. Not walking in craftiness. That word translated craftiness means cunning. But then this is the best definition of it. A specious... Because your, your pastor had to use a dictionary on it. A specious and false wisdom. And I didn't know what specious meant. When I read that word, I was like, what in God's name does specious mean? So if you don't know what specious means, this is Merriam-Webster's definition of specious. Having a false look of truth. 
are genuineness. Kind of like a counterfeit $100 bill. Looks the part, everything seems right, worthless. Here's the same word. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. There's the same word. In their own false look of truth and genuineness. He said there in 2 Corinthians 11, we read it a while ago, but I fear lest by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve through his, there's the word, subtlety. So your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity, same word. It's in Christ Jesus. He said this, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, cunning craftiness, whereof they lie in wait to deceive. So what's this craftiness talking about? Well, it's craftiness that Paul, Saul of Tarsus, walked in before regeneration and conversion had to do with doctrine, what he taught. What he believed. John said this, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. When Saul of Tarsus, before he met our Lord on the road to Damascus, he did not abide in the doctrine of Christ. If you don't abide in the doctrine of Christ, you have not God. Paul even went so far when he wrote to those at Galatians, he said, For though we, but though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached. In other words, if I quit preaching what I'm preaching, that's what he's saying. If I were to leave this behind, start preaching something different, let him be anathema. And we said, as we said before, so now I say again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have re- you have received, let him be a curse. Let him be anathema. No matter how eloquent in speech, impressive in knowledge and understanding, or upright in their character and conduct, they walk. If they do not declare the simplicity found in salvation based on Christ's accomplished work unto death, His righteousness alone, they walk in craftiness, seeking to impress men and women with their words and their ways. Here's the third thing. Paul says of himself and all God's elect, Paul says that he was not handling the word of God deceitfully. The original word translated handling means to ensnare or to corrupt. He said, I do not ensnare and I do not corrupt. And the thing that I find interesting, that phrase not handling is the word, that word at the end of this sentence, deceitful, not handling the word of God deceitfully, it's the same word. Two times. Translated not handling and in the same exact sentence, the last part of that word translated deceitfully is the same exact word. What Paul's plainly declaring is that he and all God's children, they do not corrupt the word of God with human doctrines and they don't seek to mix or blend it with philosophy. You know what they do? They simply and dogmatically preach Christ and him crucified. 
Paul said, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. According to Paul's own word concerning his preaching, he didn't, you know what, he didn't conceal and he never held back anything that was profitable to the elect of God. Didn't try to hide anything. When he was about to leave Ephesus, he said, Serving the Lord with all humility. He had called the elders together. He was about to depart after three years there. Serving the Lord with all humility of mine and with many tears and temptations which befell me by lying in wait of the Jews and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. In other words, I taught it on the corner out where I preached or in the temple where I preached. Or if I was in your house, I had the same message testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God, even faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. One more. But God forbid, now listen, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom this world is crucified unto me, and I am crucified unto this world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision avails anything, nor uncircumcision. The only thing that matters is what? New creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, which rule? God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Many as walk according to that rule, peace on them. And upon the Israel of God, all God's elect, both Jew and Gentile, which make up his church. Those false teachers, they could not and they would not simply preach Christ. They had to add something to it. But then fourthly, Paul's method, manner of preaching. Notice what he says at the end of this verse. But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. The first three things that he no longer does, they were basically statements that are in the negative. I no longer handle the word of God deceitfully. I no longer walk in craftiness. I no longer, uh, where, where I've lost my place, I, I no longer uh, preach the hidden things of dishonesty. All negative. I, I don't do that anymore. This one's a positive. He said, this is what I do now. What do I do? I preach what? I demand by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves, himself as an apostle. You and I can include ourselves in this to every man's conscience in the sight of God. In this part of this verse, Paul tells us plainly and simply, those truly sent to preach the gospel, which we're all his ambassadors. Are we not? We've already established that fact. We've been given this ministry together. All those sent forth to preach and teach the gospel, they do just that. What do they do? They preach the truth. They preach the truth. The original word translated manifestation means to make manifest or visible or known what has been hidden and unknown. Think about that. To make manifest or to reveal what has previously been hidden and unknown. Now, I hope by God's grace this morning I have preached the gospel. 
And we can honestly, with sincerity and simplicity, preach the gospel to everybody that hears us with their physical ears. Right? But we cannot accomplish this work of manifestation. I can't reveal to you what was previously hidden. I guarantee you, I can teach people the gospel. But if they can't see the gospel, what do they hear? Blah, 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 blah. Or they misinterpret. There's a lot of people that listen to us that claim they believe what we believe. I'm telling you, they don't believe what you believe. All you got to do is listen to them. Listen to what they have to say. Listen to them talk about their friends and their family members. What they believe and what they say. Whose work is it to manifest? <laughs> it's the work of the Lord alone. Paul says, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which was given to me for you to, ful to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations. But listen to it. Here's the same word. But is now made manifest. To who? To his saints. You're not a saint. Made a saint. Ordained a saint. Called a saint from before the foundation world, you'll never see it. You never will. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, these false apostles, they could come into town and they could do a lot of great things. They could make a great outward show. They could talk eloquently and fluently. Paul himself, you know, he, was not, he, he said, I'm not a great speaker. I, I can't tell you how many people through the years I've said, ain't nobody preaches and teaches like that guy does. And I go listen to their message and I'm like, what in need? <laughs> no gospel. I, I get stuff from people all the time, listen to this. And I tell them I don't have enough time to spend time listening to everybody all the time. I'm busy writing stuff and being with my family. I, don't, I just don't have, I listen to some messages. But I, I can't tell you how many times people have told me, listen to this, and I'll listen to it. Listen to the first 20 or 30 or 40 minutes of it. Never hear anything about everything else in the world. Never any gospel. Preaching the gospel is telling about forgiveness of sins, <laughs> redemption through his blood, the putting away of sin. And these false apostles, folks, they couldn't make visible and they certainly could never reveal what was previously hidden by their words or by their methods, no matter how eloquent they might be, no matter how outgoing and kind. How many preachers in the past, not preachers, false preachers, you know, there's nobody as kind as that man. Don't know the gospel, but he's kind. There's kind atheists. Folks, there's even, in our day time, they're kind liberals. There's probably some kind Democrats. There's probably some kind Republicans out there. They don't know the gospel. Are they saved because they're kind? We as God's children, we can't make men and women see the gospel. You hear me? But we can and we must, with great simplicity, preach out the only righteousness by which God's just to justify the ungodly to every person that will listen to us. 
presenting Christ and His righteousness alone before their conscience. Because that's all we can do. I can speak to you this morning. I can present Christ and His righteousness alone is the only hope and cause of salvation. And you hear me, and with your innermost being, you're making a decision right now. This guy is out of his mind. Are you rejoicing in what we've said this morning? One way or another. And we leave it there. Just leave it. Like what John Gill wrote in his commentary concerning Paul's responsibility and ours. He says, They with all plainness and evidence clearly preach the truth as it is in Christ Jesus, presenting it to and pressing it upon men's consciences, where they left it, to, and to which they could appeal. And all this they did in the sight and presence of the omniscient God to whom they knew they must give an account of themselves and of their ministry. We've got to be honest with people. You don't cloud the truth. You don't worry about what men and women think of the truth. You preach the truth. The truth as it is in Christ Jesus. Here's a great illustration of exactly what I'm talking about this morning. And Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that you, in all things, you are too superstitious. And I think one of the greatest things I ever noticed when I was when I looked at that thing and that found out that that word superstitious means religious. He said, You are altogether too religious. For I, as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I looked at all these statues you got out here. I found an altar with an inscription to the unknown God. Why? Because they were so afraid that if they had missed a deity, they put one up there to the unknown God where they didn't leave out any gods. And our God says there's only one God beside me, a just God and a Savior. There are no other gods. Look unto me. Look unto me who? A just God and a Savior. And be ye saved all the ends of the earth. And Paul said, y'all have taken care of all of it, you think, with this unknown God. But here's what he says. Whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. That's why I read Acts 24. I'm not going back over and read it. He stood before a man who could have really, you think about it, Felix could have demanded his death. He didn't have to send him to Rome. Felix had made a decision, I'm putting this guy to death. Listen to the Jews, satisfy the Jews, kill him off, be done with it. He stands before that man and his Jewish wife and he reasons with him righteousness, judgment to come. Sin, righteousness, judgment to come. And I'm going to tell you what, this is how you know whether or not the man that stands before you and preaches is truly called and sent of God. How do you know? How do you know that, that you those of you that followed me, many of you followed me for the whole 36 years that I've been here. Many of you have been with us 10, 12, 14 years, maybe shorter. How do you know? I, I, want, I would want to know. Don't if you're entrusting your children to what this man's preaching, I'd want to know. I'd want to know in my heart of hearts, I know this dude is saying the truth as it is in Christ Jesus. How do you know? Can we know? Well, here we go. Does he preach faithfully and dogmatically concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment to come? 
I tell you what, if he doesn't, he doesn't preach out sin as it is, righteousness as it's necessary, and judgment to come, how all God's children are delivered through that blood and righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's to be avoided and marked. But if he does, he's to be listened to, he's to be followed, trusting that the message of the gospel will call on all God's elect to true faith, true repentance, and God's appointed time, and according to God's sovereign will. I wrote this into my notes when I quit this morning, and I love this verse. That Peter, it's actually the words of Peter and concerning Peter. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, two fishermen, they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant. <laughs> They marveled. And they took knowledge of them. This is what I want to be as your pastor. If they had been with Jesus. Tell what, if a man hadn't been with Christ, he better stop talking. Because all he can tell you about is another Jesus. This Jehovah, our salvation, saved me from my sins. He didn't make it possible for me to sneak in. He made me the righteousness of God in him. And I tell you, that's what commends us to every man's conscience. They are held accountable for that truth which is a savor of life unto life and a savor of death unto death. May we ever and always be honest and forthright and simple in telling men and women the truth as it is in Christ Jesus. Now, we'll come back next week, and we'll pick up in verse 3. I appreciate your presence. Pray, pray the Lord will bless that to your heart, to your mind, and to your understanding. Let's stand together, and we'll be dismissed. Donald, if you would, lead us in a closing prayer, please.